<laughs> Amen. You know, we've had a year off from sending teams, but we still have done many things here at, at home. Um, the Lighthouse Light Team are out there at Faithful every month. Amago Day, and the tremendous work they do. Um, the nursing home ministry and the wheelchair ministry and the tremendous work that they do across the street and bring these people here to visit us every week. The deaf ministry, who's faithful here every Sunday. For, and, and, and all the other groups at the China ministry that, uh, that goes down to the China church downtown to, to teach with them and talk with them. And the other ministries we have here that just are constant year-round ministries and just never give up and just never, they don't get the recognition many times that they need, but they're just always here. So we have mission applications available. They'll be available between services at the Welcome Center. Um, we hope to do, we just pray on this and just see where God leads you this year. Some of the trips, we know they're difficult locations and that, but we're really putting our hands into, in, our, our bodies and that into God's hands. Uh, we're going to back to Israel where we haven't been for several years, and we just knew that God wants us there. Just talk, listening to our speakers that we heard last night, uh, Dr. Shariat and his wife, Donnell, it's just listening to what God is doing in areas that we just never think about, never, never hear about here. And so it's, just, it's a great pleasure that we have here that the speakers that we brought in this, this year, just a tremendous night we had last night, just listening to their testimony about where they came from. I mean, who would have thought, looking at Donnell, that she went from Oregon to the streets of Tehran shouting death to America <laughs> to here today? And just amazing story that we heard last night. And Dr. Hormoz, it's his story about being born in Iran and growing up there and, and how he came to Christ. And so it's just a tremendous story. And I know that the information he, he's going to share today is just going to open your eyes to things that, that we never hear here in the United States and things that we don't know is going on. So please welcome me, help welcome with me, Dr. Hormoz Shariat. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you. God bless. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Tim. It's good to be here. Last night we shared a little bit, and uh, I just feel so at home. Uh, I feel the Lord here, and His heart being expressed here. You know, the Lord is a, has a heart of mission. He sent His only begotten Son. And he, ha he cares so much about mission that if we don't go, He sends them here. And if we don't go to Muslims, he sends them here. And sometimes it's not pretty, you know, like September 11. And you see in the book of Acts that they were not doing the missions. And the persecution came, forced them to do mission. Today I'm going to talk about some persecution in Iran. But sometimes persecution God allows because the church needs to be sent. And if you don't go, he will send you. He will force us to go. That's his heart. But for this church, he doesn't force you. He hasn't, doesn't have to force you. You're already going. And that brings my, so much joy to, in my heart because that's the heart of God. God, Jesus always said, go, go. And to the darkest places in the world. And today I'm going to share about Iran. It's not what you hear in the news. No, you already heard that. I'm, I'm sharing with you something you haven't heard. And that's not in the news. The news says what man is doing, what I'm going to share is what God is doing in Iran. And it's amazing. It's greater than any news that, about Iran that you read, that Iran is de developing nuclear bomb and it uh, wants to destroy superpower USA, uh, the great Satan. 
and uh, the little Satan, they want to destroy Israel. I mean, you hear that in the news, but in the, behind is all these news, the Lord is doing a great work. And he's asking us to watch and uh, join him in changing nations. He says, ask of me and I will give you nations. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to sh- uh, share a little bit about myself uh, for those who weren't here, uh, but just a brief testimony. I was born in a Islam, uh, Islamic family, and I was pretty much devout in my childhood, uh, reading Quran, praying, fasting, until my early teenage years. That's when I started thinking, what is this adding to me? Why do I repeat this thing five times? It hasn't done anything for my, in my life. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I don't even have a relationship with God. I don't experience. Where is God? I'm worshiping him every day, and I'm fasting, so why am I not changing? Why don't I have, have his presence in my life? So I started uh, thinking, I said, well, uh, this is, these rituals are empty. Stop doing that. Just be a good person and, and follow God, and focus on your studies. That's what I did, and, and uh, I met this beautiful uh, young American in Iran, and we, we married. There is my wife, Danielle. Which just, yeah. <laughs> She came to Iran, and uh, we married in Iran. That was the time of revolution. And she was a nominal Christian, I would say. And she became a Muslim, and we got married. And we both were in the streets of Tehran on uh, 79, uh, shouting death to America. Here is an American lady, and you believe it, being on the streets, sh- uh, you know, shouting death to America. But one thing is, God changed our lives. So, uh, we have changed our mind about America. Let me assure you that. We, we sing God bless America now. So don't worry about us. No. <laughs> but God used that. Uh, we came to U.S. I went to uh, graduate study, uh, graduate school. And uh, at that time, I said, maybe I should look at Islam one more time. Uh, maybe I've missed something. Look what Islam is doing. It's uh, overpowering the world. It's, it's conquering the world, and people are ready to die for that faith. Maybe I missed. Let me look again at it, and if it's, there's truth in it, I'm going to dedicate my life in serving it. So I, I got a, a Quran, and I said, I'm going to read it one more time. This, one, this time I'm going to be objective, searching for God sincerely. So I said, God, I feel, you know, I believe I, I, my mind works. My, I know my heart is very... Uh, sincere towards you, so show me. And I read Quran, and I finished it. I, again, I said, okay, I read it one more time, but where is God? It, it gives, you know, some things, but, but it doesn't change lives. He said, okay, if this is the best religion, I'm done with God and religion. Just get on with your life. Just accept the fact that life is empty. Accept the fact that you just live in this world. Be brave, I said to myself. Face the reality. Even if there is God, it doesn't relate to your life. Just accept the fact, okay, you have a good life, you, you get your education, you get your house, and you get a good job, and you get a b- bigger house, and you get a newer car, and then you die. Just accept that. <laughs> so I was done. But something in me said, no, you, you're not done. How can you call yourself an open-minded scientist if you just read one book and you make it such an important decision Reading one book, 
even in science, you study several things before, before you come to conclusions. So out of my own pride to tell people, oh, yeah, I've read the Bible. Just, I speak the Bible. So I don't think I'm, I'm going to find anything new in it. I will read it in three days. And because it, Quran is the final book and, and most complete book. So I got a Bible, read Genesis, and I said, I'm going to read a New Testament, jump to Matthew, and I encountered Jesus. So who is this Jesus? I wanted to read the whole Bible in three, uh, three days, but in three months, I was Matthew chapter 5. So <laughs> who is this Jesus? The things he says is not in Quran. I like him and I hate him. I, I want him, I don't want him, because he claims he's, he's not a regular man. He, he's, uh, you know, he's worshipped and he doesn't stop people from worshipping him. Uh, that's blasphemy. And he claimed, and he does miracles. Of course, I didn't believe in miracles then, but the beautiful, like Sermon on the Mount, just uh, started me thinking. By the way, Sermon on the Mount is a great passage to share with Muslims. It, it is especially Muslims who are thinking, Muslims who have been hurt by Muslims. You know, when I share Sermon on the Mount on television, the youth in Iran, they say, yes, Pastor Ahmad. You know why? Because Jesus makes fun of the clergy in, 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 the, in Matthew 5. He, and people say, yeah, yeah, no, these are our clergy. They do the same thing. So remember, share Sermon on the Mount with, with Muslims. But that, that brought me to a point of saying, which one is true? Uh, is Islam true? I was reading uh, Bible and Quran at the same time, but I struggled for a few months until I realized the, uh, that the message is so simple. The Lord led us to uh, Church of the Open Door. Let me go back. Uh, that's where J. Vernon McGee was a previous pastor in downtown Los Angeles. And there, I, me and my wife gave our lives to, to the Lord and uh, started, <laughs> praise the Lord. I was, you know, I was raised a, as a scientist engineer, so uh, I'm looking for something that works. I don't like, I don't, I'm like not looking for poetry. In Iran, we have beautiful poets, so that's why I, met, I was mad at Jesus' uh, at Sermon on the Mount. I said, when I was reading one afternoon, I said, this is beautiful, beautiful verses, but who can do this? Who can do this? This is the religion of hypocrites. If any Christian comes and tells me, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm going to open this. Can you control your mind? Have you ever been angry? You're a murderer. So I, that, I, I got so mad that I threw the Bible away. I said, I'm done. This is, a, this is not a real religion. This is not something I'm looking forward because this is, doesn't work. I, I'm looking for something that works in our lives. So I threw the Bible, and next morning I get up in the morning, and something in me says, no, you've you, you got to get to the end of this. Where is my Bible? I go under my bed and find it again and read it. and So struggle. But I'm looking for something that works. And when we, me and my wife came to Christ, I realized something supernatural is in me that's changing me day by day, gradually, and without really me forcing. I want it. I want it to be changed, but the power inside of me is changing. And I would get up in the morning and say, what is here? You know, something here is work. The Holy Spirit, of course. And it's works. That was made me excited. It's something from God that changes lives. 
and not just mine, anybody who believes. So I felt something. This was the start of ministry. And I, I hope you feel the same way today. I felt as a new believer, if I keep this to myself, I am the most selfish. I need to share this. Even though I was introvert, you know, I, I, I was focused on my studies, I said, no, this is selfish. I started sharing the gospel with others. The first few years, if just a few came to Christ and it was hard, and, but it continued. You can't keep this to yourself. It can change your life. It, can change. it has the power to change your life. It has the power to change your family. It has the power to change a nation. Why not share it? It can change the world. Because the power of God is behind you. Just go and share it. So I started, and the and, and, uh, first few years was learning curve. You know, a lot of uh, heartaches and uh, people who came to Christ, a few, and working hard. But then the Lord, we, I graduated, moved to Northern California. And that's when the Lord showed, you know, you need me, you need others, you don't have everything. That's that what God showed. That I can't do it my, alone. I need the Lord, and I need others. And the Lord brought a few people. I that complemented my gifting. And we started a church in Northern California, Silicon Valley, and that grew to be one of the largest churches among Muslim background believers. And through that, the Lord opened the other doors like satellite, and through satellite, we've gone to Iran and made many people have come to Christ. I'm going to share a little bit about that. But I want to go back to persecution. You know, persecution in the Bible, you see that that's a... That's a that's normal. Persecution is normal. That's one of my messages on, uh, on TV. When I say TV, it's not American TV, okay? We talk about suffering there. We don't say, believe it and you, everything will be okay, which is a lot of promises of God is like that. But the whole gospel has suffering in it, has persecution in it, has victory in it, yes. Has a blessing in it, yes, but it, it comes with with suffering for Jesus. Not suffering for our own mistakes, but suffering is normal, and persecution is normal, as Jesus promises in uh, Matthew 24, 9. He says, if they did this to me, how much more they will do this to you? 25 millions have martyred in the last 100 years, and every year, 10,000 to 100,000, depends on the year are being killed because of their faith. 250 million um, Christians currently persecuted. When I say persecution, persecution is not just being tortured. Persecution is when you lose your job. Persecution is when you cannot gather. Persecution is when you have to don't lock your doors and hide your Bible. And you cannot worship in public. You cannot share your faith. So persecution is growing, and according to the Bible, uh, at, uh, when we read the um, book of Revelation, it's going to be worldwide, right? So someday it's going to come to a church near you. It's going to come. That's the end time. We have to, working among persecu persecuted Christians, that's where God wants us to do it. Let, let me show you this verse. He says, remember those in prison as if you were your there yourself. Remember also those who are mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. 
Hebrews, the Lord asks us to just feel for them. And that's not the end of it. He doesn't just say, just feel for them, just sit home and feel for them. But that's a good starting point. Our problem is our heart. The, first, the best first prayer for persecuted church is, God, touch my heart for them. Give me your heart towards them. You know, in America, we have such good teachers. Mentally, we have no problem. We have the best books. We have the best teachers about even Islam. We have better teachers about Islam in the U.S. than in Islamic countries. Written books about Islam. So our problem as Christians is, number one, our heart. That's why in this verse, God says, just get God's heart as if you were there. And then once you have his heart, then you say, get his mind. Lord, what, what are you doing? You know, helping persecuted Christians, of course, is a compassionate thing. Of course, it's, it's God's thing to feel for your brothers and sisters. But it's beyond that. It's not just a good thing to do. It's a wise thing to do also. That's where the church is growing. That's where God is moving. And that's where there is persecution. It's a wise thing to just look around and, and see where persecution is because that's the best mission strategy. That's where the church is growing fastest, finding persecuted groups and help them. That, not, just to, not just to withstand, not just to uh, survive, but to overcome. Overcome, because that's where the church growth is. Now, persecution happens because two kingdoms clash. In Iran, it's a clash of Islam and Christianity. That's why persecution is in Iran. Christianity is growing fast, and Islam and the, those in power, they're alarmed, and they're saying, how can we stop this? It's a good thing. It's a sign of the work of God. It's a sign of the weakness of our enemy, Satan, losing. And, you know, when you, even in, uh, in our lives, you know, if, if you see some people in conflict, and they, they talk about their conflict, and, but once somebody gets mad and starts violence, means he's the weak side. He has no answer except violence. Islam has no answer to Christianity except violence because the message of Jesus is so powerful. Once you compare Islam and Christianity, there is no way you will go become a Muslim. The problem is Muslims do not know and we don't even tell them. When you share the gospel and an open-minded Muslim will know this is the truth. If we share the gospel. In, in, in Iran, Christianity is in the offense, Islam is on the defense, and that's why they're so scared. In, in the country of Iran, uh, the government of Iran pretty much has destroyed its opposition. It's pretty safe politically. They're so brutal. They're so violent. They kill. Easy. Not just for people who are uh, in charge. See how evil that, that is. They will kill people who in 10 years might cause problem for them. They're not popular, but they see, oh, this person has a potential to be popular among people, his message, so let's take care of him now, before even he does anything. So they're pretty safe politically. One thing they're alarmed is Christianity is growing out of their hand in homes and through television and through personal witness, and they don't know what to do with it. That's why the last two years, the persecution in Iran has risen. Hundreds have been killed, 
even today, hundreds are in, in jail, some long sentences, and they're trying to stop Christianity. Now, Iran is the greatest threat to the world. You know that. That's the news. The nuclear bomb, uh, destruction of U.S. and Israel. And by the way, if you ask any Iranian, you think the government is making bombs? Sure. Sure they are. They have no doubt that the Iranian government is doing it. And once they have it, there is no doubt they're going to use it because their theology doesn't stop them from using it. It actually encourages them. In their theology, if they, use, if they have atomic bomb and use it, that's when their Messiah, Mahdi, will come back. Their Messiah will come back when the world is in chaos, when Muslims are attacking the world and the world is, re, is uh, stopping them, is resisting them, and that's their Messiah will going to come and help Islam to take over the world. But they have to initiate that war. We are in a dangerous situation with Iran politically, but spiritually, it's another story. It's a greatest threat, but it's also the greatest opportunity. It's where Christianity is invading Islam. When you look around the world, you see Islam is invading. Even the U.S., you, gradually they're invading U.S. They have a long-term strategy for U.S. They're putting billions of dollars every year. All these mosques and, and religious centers. Money is coming in. They have these lawyers. You think America is a free country? When you get to Islam, it's not a free country. Can a radio host, can he talk about Islam? Not just talk about negative. Can a radio host, I'm asking a question, can a radio host in America just read out of Quran? Because they're violent verses there. Just read. No, you can't. Radio hosts and television hosts have been fired, not because they were blaspheming and they're attacking Islam. No, because they were sharing something from Quran itself, the, the violent verses. They are so much in, in America in active, and if, if somebody speaks up that Islam is not a religion of peace, peace in, in, uh, in public, he, he's going to be in trouble. So Islam is an invasion. Europe, they think it are done. They talk to their leaders. They say, just wait 30, 40 years. We're going to have Europe because of birth rate. Muslims are growing faster, not because of conversion, because the European population is, is shrinking, but the Islamic population is growing. Even the government of uh, Germany last year officially announced that in 30 years, Germany will be an Islamic state with the birth rate. That, that was a a projection. But Iran is the only country where Christianity is on the offense and Islam is on the defense. And if we help those Christians to be strong, to be equipped, they can not only change Iran, they could change the whole Middle East. It's very, let me move forward. I talked about this. Let's, uh, I'm going to uh, share a story of Rogi. She, just as an example of how God is working, uh, Rogi is, uh, she had attempted suicide the, the week before she called us. And this is, this is not unique. There's such desperation in Iran that suicide rate is high. But she calls, and the night before she calls, 
us. She said, the night before I watched you, and I was planning to commit suicide, but I wasn't successful first time. I was planning a better plan, so I will be success successful second time. I just want to watch you uh, this video. Number one, look for that desperation. It's not just her. That's, that's the atmosphere of Iran. That's millions of Iranians. Second, look for fear. And number three, the power of God to save. خداوند تو رو به این لحظه آورده تا تو رو نجات بده امشب اولا میخوام اینو بدونی قبول کردن مسیر رد کردن خدا نیست اتفاقا قبول کردن خداست همون خدای یکتایی که باورداری همونه که اومده تو رو نجات بده نه ترس روح ترس از خدا نیست خدا باباته و امشب میخواد دختر خودش رو در آغوش بگیره امشب میخواد عشقاتو پاک کنه امشب میخواد زندگی تازه بهت بده آیا خودتو در آغوش همچین پدری میخوای امشب بندازی بگی دیگه من به دین و مذهب و اینو کار ندارم خداوند و خودتو میخوام خداوند و نجاتتو میخوام و زندگی تازه به من بده میخوای امشب تولد تازه پیدا کنی؟ میخوای؟ اگر آمادهش هستی با من دعا کن آماده هستی؟ با من دعا کن این جملاتو از ته قلب بگو به خود خدا بگو من هدایتت میکنم بگو خداوند میدونم من رو دوست داری بگو با صدای بلند بگو من هم تو رو دوست دارم بیا و امشب مرا نجات بده تو رو شکر میکنم به خاطر من آمدی گناهان منو بخشیدی از امشب آمین بگو از امشب دختر تو هستم و تو پدر من آمین 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 تو رو شکر میکنم مرا پذیرفتی گذشته مرا پاک کردی و شکر میکنم برای آینده روشنی که در تو دارم شکر میکنم برای آینده روشنی که در تو دارم 
فکر میکنم نوبت آیندگی رو شایی که تو برام برای بزار داری مسیح مرا عوض کن به نام ایسای مسیح آمین آمین هللویا تو چون خواستی امشب دختر آمین هللویا با خداوند راه برو یک کتاب مقدس برات میفرستیم بخون و مثل یه بچه بخور و بذار رشد کنی تموم شد دیروز تو تموم شد دیشب تو تموم شد روز تازه ای تو زندگیت شروع شده این روز با بابات دیگه تنها نیستی دیگه بی کس نیستی خداوند پدرت باهات هست خداوند با تو بلکه در تو هست تو دیگه تنها نیستی با خداوند زندگی کن آمین آمین تو رو به خداوند میسپارم و میدونم به دستای خوب کسی میسپارم هللویا ماموریتت یادت نره آنچه که امشب گرفتی مال دیگران هم هست عزیزی هللویا فریز دی لورد فریز گاد دی جو نوتیس دی کرای اف دسپریشن ات دی بیگینینگ ترن ات دی کرای اف جوی ات دی اند دس آر جیسس in a few minutes that power that gospel can transform lives and here millions of Iranians ready to hear that message and like her they're ready to make a dramatic change in their life are we going to share that with them that was just a taste to t- uh, let me know and let me tell you know that's what God is doing in Iran what I'm going to shock, shock you with a statement here what's the future of Iran Iran will be a Christian nation. Iran will be a Christian nation. You might think, you might think, oh, this guy is just, you know, making it big, you know, he works in Iran. And he, no, I don't say that. The Bible says that. I'm just proclaiming the prophecy and the promise of Jeremiah 49, 39, 38, that that specific verse. But 34 to 39 talks about the future of Iran. Many of those verses have already been done. But 49:38 talks about, I will set my throne in Iran. Have you, did you know that? He says, I've set my throne in Jerusalem, but there is one more verse in the Bible who says, I will set my throne in Iran. Of course, his kingdom is not of this earth. That's where he rules. But setting my throne, what does that mean? That means a, a country where he is worshipped, that he is obeyed, that his heart and his mind and his will is permeating every aspect of the society, marketplace, the government, education, arts, media, every area has been transformed by the gospel. That's the future of Iran. So it doesn't matter if you believe or not, it's going to happen anyway. So <laughs> Iran is will be a Christian nation. And the evidence shows that we are moving in that direction very fast. One is research shows that. A research group in England, Operation World Manual, maybe you have that. Maybe I'm sure people in mission know about it. It's, it's a book that covers all nations, talks about their spiritual economy, polit- politics, everything. All the nations are there. The last edition has put Iran as the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. That's number one. Did you know that? And Tajikistan and Afghanistan. Afghanistan is number two. Tajikistan is number ten. These are all Farsi speakers. That's all covered by our ministry with television 
end. When I say television, it's not, it's not the end. It's a beginning. We use television not just to convert people and to disciple people. We find leaders through television, equip them, and we plant churches. That's what television, television is a tool for church planting. So, Iran will be a Christian country because the Bible says so. Also, research shows that. Our experience also confirms that. We have been on the air for 12 years, and every month and every day people are calling, even though it's dangerous from Iran to call. Some people have been arrested and even jailed just because they called us. Because the, phone, the phones are controlled. So 25,000 people, we have the names of people who have called us and declared that they, either they pray with us to receive Christ or they have done so through television. And probably 10 times that many have done mis, made the same decision and they have not told us. Because they dare to call us. So the numbers show that Iran is ready and it's growing fast. And a personal experience, one of our friends went to Iran last year, and he came back, he's American. He said, you know, I never expected that. I thought, you know, you're saying Iran is ready, but I saw it with my own eyes. He said, I went to mosques, over 12 mosques in 10 days that I was there. He said, every mosque, there were um, rugs, prayer rugs, just like this. He said, I saw the total of two people worshiping in the mosque in 10 days. The mosques are empty in Iran. People, the rejection of Islam is so deep and wide. People are fed. They've come to this conclusion. It's not an emotional decision of people of Iran. This is took them 30 years to come in a logical conclusion, this Islam that we did implement. Iran is the only country led by clerics, and that for 30 years. So they did implement Islam, and here millions of Iranians have come to the conclusion that, that Islam is not the answer, is the problem. He said, he met some revolutionary guards. He said they were, he said they came towards me, and I said, I'm done. And they said, are you American? He said, I was tempted to say, no, I'm Australian. You know, I'm not. <laughs> I said, no, I'm American. They hugged me. And one of them said, you are my brother. And one of them said, are you a spy? He said, no, I'm not a spy. I wish you were. <laughs> he said, I've never been so well received as a Christian and as an American. He said, I told them up front, I'm American, I'm a Christian. People all gathered around me. They treated me like a celebrity. I've never been hugged and kissed in my whole life, like that. When you look at Iran, you see the book of Acts. Exactly. I've done a study, the similarity. Even political situation in the book of Acts, people have been oppressed politically and religiously by the leaders, and they have been under oppression for so many years in the book of Acts. They're fed up, and here they're ready for the true gospel. Despair and hopelessness are there. Fast growth of church is there. Persecution is growing, as just like the book of Acts, as a reaction. And we see sovereign acts of God. Just like the book of Acts, you see miraculous visions, dreams, people coming to Christ, healings, just normal. I remember this man called me and, uh, on, the, on the air, and I was answering. You know, that's the amazing thing about technology. We are in a 
uh, in a studio in Dallas, and I can't go to Iran. I even get life threats in America. You go uh, to the, uh, sit in this studio, and through technology, fiber optics, you talk to millions of Ira Iranian hungry, Iranian Muslims, live, eye to eye, face to face, and many of them dare to call us back or write us. So this man called me, and he said, you know, um, he, he, that was, I never forget that, because he has such a boring, monotone voice. He was just saying, Pastor Ramos, um, I, I had liver problem, and I called you three months ago, and you prayed for me, and I got healed. So praise the Lord. God is a healer. Praise God. He said, then I started, he said, Jesus heals. I, saw, I started praying for others to, to be healed. There was uh, somebody with tumor, and I prayed, and the tumor was gone. So really, praise God, really, that's awesome. He said, then there was uh, one of our relatives had cancer. And I said, well, Jesus heals. And I prayed for him. And uh, his cancer was cured. Oh, really? Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. After three, four minutes of testimony, he got frustrated with me. He said, excuse me, Pastor Almost, why are you so excited? Have you read your Bible? <laughs> yeah. He rebuked me. <laughs> That's normal. Read the Bible. That's, that's what God is doing. And people who come to Christ, yeah, that's normal. Jesus saves, he changed lives, and he does, he does miraculous. That's why sovereign act of God is there, because he is doing it. Through visions and through dreams, he's going there. He's touching. Drug addiction is number one in Iran, in the world in Iran. Iran is the highest drug addiction per capita in the world. And Jesus is saving. That's the number one miracle. People call us. You talked about Jesus saves. I cried out to Jesus. I tried for many years to be free from addiction. I've gone to hospitals. I've tried everything. But Jesus saved me overnight, instantly, from drug addiction. He is there himself doing it. He is there himself doing it. He's just asking us to join him. He says, I'm doing it. I'm going to, vision, to their visions and dreams. This, man, this lady called me. She said, I'm a devout Muslim. I've been watching a program. Recently, I've been doubting which one is true. I like what you hear about Jesus, but my faith, what do I do with Muhammad? What do I do with Islam? I was kind of confused and lost. And the other night, I watched your program. Then I said, Jesus, you know, God help me. I'm confused. Which way is truth? Is Jesus true uh, or, or Islam is true? Then I went to bed. She said, I saw a dream. By the way, uh, Pastor Thomas, do you interpret dreams? I said, well, I don't claim to do it, but maybe I can help you. <laughs> Tell me what, what you saw. He said, well, I saw I was lost in a dark desert. It was dark, and I cried out, God, I'm lost. I don't even know which way to go. Help me, help me. Then I saw an angel of light. And I said, please help me, I'm lost. And the angel didn't say anything, just pointed to another direction. I looked there, and I saw the cross of Jesus, full of light. And I went to the foot of the cross, and then this light like a river fell on me, and I felt so much joy and so much peace. Now, would you tell me what that means? <laughs> okay. I became an expert instantly in vision and dream interpretation. You... You, you ask for direction, of course, and here is your answer. Are you ready to pray to receive Christ? Of course she was. And once somebody does that on the air, just like this lady, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people make the same 
prayer. They pray with us. They tell us sometimes months, even years later, oh, that, that, you prayed with that lady? I prayed also, and my life was changed. God is doing it himself with miracles, healings. This man called one of the counselors. He said I've, he had come to Christ just uh, three, four months before that. He said, you know, today I'm going to hospital, he, and my, uh, my, my friend is dying in the hospital. They have asked his family and friends to come to the hospital to see him before he dies. He's in coma. So I'm going to go to the hospital. Would you, when I go there, I call you back. Would you pray for my friend? And counselor, our counselor said, sure. So goes to the hospital, and uh, half an hour later, calls our counselor. Okay, I'm here. My friend is in coma. Not that responsive. Everybody's saying just a few hours, uh, he will be gone. And I'm going to put the phone on his ears. Would you pray for him? Yeah. Put the phone, and our counselor prays for the man. He said, okay, thank you. I don't see any change, but I appreciate your prayer. Hangs up. About half hour later, he calls back, and there's commotion in the back. He says, what's happening? He says, my friend, my, my friend is walking. He's, he's telling, walking and telling everybody, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Jesus. I saw Jesus healed me. And here is a Muslim. I mean, he, he, he saw Jesus, and he came back, comes back to life. And so praise God to just worship God, be thank, give all the thanks to him, and he hangs up. 20 minutes later, again, he calls back. Still, there's a lot of commotion. So what's happening now? You know, the whole hospital is gathering around him, and he's telling everybody, Jesus healed me. And other patients and their family members, they're in his room. They think if they get a piece of his clothes and put it on their patient, they may get the same miracle. So he has lost his shirt, and he's fighting for his pants. (laughs) So he hangs up. Again, about half hour later, he calls back. So what's going on? Well, this uh, half-naked man, my, my, <laughs> my friend, is on the streets. We are all on the streets, walking down the streets, and the crowd is gathering around him, and he's telling everybody, I was dead, and Jesus raised me from dead. And people have whole, he says, we are in a small town, and a whole has gone all over the city. People are gathering around him. Praise God, he's witnessing for Jesus. Praise God. He hangs up. But that's not the end. About an hour later, he calls. So what's happening now? We were all arrested. (laughs) The police, because we brought so much commotion to the city and talking about Jesus on the street, says we were all arrested. And this, my half-naked friend, is uh, telling the police officer, well, Jesus saved me. And the police officer is telling him, don't say Jesus. At least say God healed me. Don't say the name of Jesus. So they're arguing. The Lord is doing a great work in Iran. And I believe he is calling us. Would you come and join? I'm going to change this nation. Would you come and join? Not many people know about it. Fewer people are involved. And I'm praying for you and your church. You're a pioneer. And you have a heart for nations. And here is an opportunity to work together to change the history. In Iran. I pray as the Lord as leads, if He Lord leads you, we will do something together to change that nation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So here is Iran, ready for Christ. Millions. See, in Iran is the only country where government and religion are the same. 
So when they say we reject Islam, they're rejecting the government. When they say reject government, they're rejecting Islam. So when people like that three, four years ago, they come in the streets, they are rejecting not just the government, but Islam. They're fed up with Islam. Once you share the gospel, I, I said evangelism in Iran is no problem. Let's not talk about evangelism. Talk, let's talk about discipleship, leadership, training, church planting. Evangelism is ready. You know, I've developed a, a, a course. By the way, there is an evangelistic video I've done based on that, what I learned, how to evangelize Muslims. It's a very soft approach. And if you have a Muslim friend, get one of these and give them as a gift. So I put this, this approach, I put them in a course, and I, I used to teach the people inside Iran, the leaders inside Iran, to use this to share the gospel. So about two, three years ago, this changed. Um, I had, was talking to them and said, so tell me, you know, uh, how, do you, how do you evangelize? He said, well, um, one of them said, well, I'm not using this course. I said, what? What? He said, I don't need it. He said, but this is my 30 years of my experience of how to share the gospel with Muslims, how to answer the questions. Why don't you use it? So why do you, what do you do? He said, well, I don't need that. I, all I do is I go to gatherings like a party, like a... Um, like a wedding where people were gathered, I just get up and I say, hey guys, I'm a Christian. I just proclaim, and I sit down, and people come around me, not to attack me, they ask questions, and every time I'm leading people to Christ. Who needs apologetics, they tell me. <laughs> people are ready. I was talking to another, you know, to, to several uh, leaders, one of them just saying, you know, I had seven people, this was like in May, he, she said, she and her husband said, we, we had seven people in our group in January, now we have over 70 people four or five months later. So it's easy. We talk to people. Some of them come to Christ instantly. Some of them take, take time. But very few would say no if you work with them long term. Very few. You just need to be patient. So I, I, I rejoice. I asked another one. He said how they, the, the second couple, he said how they have converted the whole apartment building. He said how miraculously that happened. And I ask a single guy there, so you tell me, what's your experience in evangelism inside Iran? And this young man says, um, I'm so frustrated. So what these two couple are telling me, joyful stories of people coming to Christ, you're so frustrated. Tell me why. He said, well, I'm frustrated. You know the course you taught us? I'm, I'm using it, but, um, you know, it's frustrating because... You, have, you, have, you know, you have such beautiful illustrations at the end when you close and you ask people to come to Christ. He said, yeah. He said, I never get to share those. People right in the middle, they say, I want to come. To, I want to believe in Jesus. <laughs> they, they don't let me finish with all those beautiful illustrations. Evangelism is done. is easy. Just share the gospel. The challenge is how do you do that? How do you go to Iran to build his kingdom and how do you help that church? Jesus says, don't, uh, do not, don't you say there is yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. That's exactly Iran. If you, if you look up and you look that you see the harvest, the number of people in Iran who are just ready to hear the gospel and they will respond. Now, how do you do that? The best, now with all the uh, persecution in Iran, all the limitation in Iran, 
all the government, you know, oppression, people putting people in jail just because having, they have a Bible, they use intimidation, they use control, the phones are controlled. They've used the oil money and technology to control all phones. If you, live, you know, if you have a phone call and you use the word Jesus, Bible, church, some of those words, it, all the phone calls go through the computer and they pick up those words. If you say those words, it's going to be recorded and, and sent to an agent. They all, they're up-to-date technology to oppress people. How do you help them? Here is a country so ready for Christ, but you can't get in. I can't get in. You can't get in. Even there was people inside, they just uh, closed the last building church in Iran. House churches, they're not allowed to even gather. They have hundreds of house church leaders have been arrested. How do you help that hungry people in Iran? The best, you know, this, this picture on the left is freedom. The one on the right is Iran. There is a thick wall protecting that hungry people. I call them captivity. It's like a jail. People don't want to be there. They don't want to be a Muslim. They want through God, but they have no choice. They are in those walls of Islam and the government. How do you do that? The best is to, let me go to, well, let me share this this one. Um, Iran is the fastest growing evangelical population in Iran, in the world. Now, they say it's one million to three million believers in Iran. I just say one million. And I've done my research. Only up to the most number of people who have experienced church, I mean, they have been in a, even a house church, is about 30,000. 970,000 haven't been in church, even a house church, even once. Do you see the situation? People are being added to his kingdom, but they're isolated. They're fearful. They're not in groups. They're not growing. How do you do that? We found that the best way right now is the television and media. Internet is second, but television is best because it goes over the heads of the mullahs. You know, even internet is, is controlled. But television, you go up in the sky, and from the sky you go to the people, people's home, and you go into every living room, they're safe, doors are closed, and you talk to them about the love of God and salvation. That's a great tool. And you help people of Iran, that's, let me share that with you, because I love that picture. This one, oh, no. Yeah, that. That's a picture from in Tehran. Do you see satellite dishes all over? Satellite dishes are illegal in Iran. But even the clergy and their government people have it. It's so popular, sometimes I think it's a national flower of Iran. Kind of. So everybody, everybody has it. People go without food, but not without satellite dish. That's a great tool everybody has. Because, why? Because that's the only connection they have to the outside world. With all that oppression, this satellite television gets, gets them news, gets them entertainment, music, movies, but also spiritually feeds them. This is a village, and even nomads have them. Did, did you see that? There. Is that there? Yeah. Nomads have it. And people, I just had last week, one of the leaders, uh, 
from Iran, and he said, you know, that picture? He said, I've seen it. He said, I, he, he's from that area. He says, I go out, and, and people don't have living, you know, running water. They don't have electricity, but have a generator and have a satellite dish. With television, you go into every home. People will do anything to, to have them. We have a church service that we go and we share the gospel. Uh, we share the, the, the experience of church. This is the greatest thing we've done over the years. Four months ago, we started church service. We used to broadcast our church service just like this, but we saw, we saw that wasn't that effective because people in Iran are, still don't experience church. They sit there and say, oh, those lucky people are sitting there and they have a pastor. I don't have a pastor. I don't have a church. So what we did is we did a set, a, a church set, and then I intentionally didn't bring anybody to sit there. And we said, we are your pastors and you are the church. Let's work together. So they're connecting. They're following our direction. They're studying the Bible. And not just the church service. You know, every church has, we, we, don't, have tele, we don't have programs for children anymore. We have Sunday school through television. You know, every church has a prayer meeting. We have prayer meetings on Wednesdays. We, t- we want to do this. We, we tried it two times. It was such a success. You know, prayer meetings, not usually pe- don't pe- many people attend, right? Uh, so I was worried. In, tele- in television, that's a challenge because if you're kind of boring, they, they change the channel. And if how successful a prayer, a live prayer meeting would be. And we tried that two times. We want to make it regular. You know what happened? We, we, we got them involved and in the prayer. We prayed for them. We put prayers on the screen. We read a verse, and we t- taught them how to pray. And after one of her hour of live prayer, we said goodbye, and the phone calls started coming in. Why did you stop? We were praying with you. What I'm saying is television can provide that. It's not, again, it's not the end of it. It's the beginning of all. You will use that to plant churches. I want to encourage you to pray for for Iran, and as the Lord leads you, get involved. This is the most productive field in the world, I believe. And the Lord has promised it. Uh, we have a table. If you sign up for the newsletter, you get all these stories every week, and you can pray And as the, if the Lord leads you to support and join us. One thing is not just pray and, and support financially, but you can get involved. I was talking about having groups, maybe even the children. This is a, having children on their air. I wish I had shown you some children's program that I've done myself interviewing children and how popular that was. A child sharing their faith on television to people of Iran. And youth. So maybe your youth group or the children or the pastor, you know, they, they are so hungry for the Bible. They ask me, can you have more Bible? We want verse-by-verse Bible. Maybe your Roman series. We could do verse-by-verse and, and teach them. They are hungry. And whatever you sow, you will see fruits. I want to share this uh, with what I experienced. Um, this lady called, and she, uh, she was on the phone, and, and it was after the program. I was so touched. She was, uh, she, she was reciting so many verses. I was jealous. I said, I don't know that many verses. And she, her worldview is so biblical. She talked about marriage. Perfect. And every topic we talked about, she recited verses. She gave me the best review of why persecution is good for Christians in three minutes with many verses. 
and she was from Iran. So 15, 20 minutes, I was enjoying it. I said, well, some of my elders don't have that beautiful worldview that she has. So 15, 20 minutes, I said, I have to go. I'm sorry, I'm enjoying it. But please tell me, why did you call? She said, I called because I need a Bible. I said, what? You don't even have a Bible? So how about all those verses? She said, how do, how do you get all those verses? She said, I watch the program. I have a notebook, and I write everything you say. And I write down the verses, and I memorize the verses, and I obey the verses. Wow, what a key to discipleship. Just read your Bible, do what it says. We are talking to people who are so hungry. They will sit there for hours and receive. And not just receive in their heads, they will do it. They want a life change. Father God, we thank you. We are so thankful for what you have done in our lives, Lord, and we don't want to be selfish. We want to share what you have given us with other people. First in this city, Lord, I pray for this church that they will be, as they have been, a light to this city. Give them a courage. Give them the good news that uh, they will share with others. Give them the wisdom as how to penetrate the darkest place in this city and share your light and your life, Lord. And I thank you that you have used this church around the world, Lord, continue to expand their territory and, and increase their impact and influence, Lord. I thank you for Iran, Lord, that you have prepared a nation. I pray that you raise up people, raise up churches, ministries, that, they will, that you will call them to have that Im- impact among Muslims in the Middle East and especially in Iran, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.